This weekend brings the fifth and final week of our current message series for the Easter season. By the way, if you missed any or all of this series, you can catch up anytime on demand online. Check it out on our website. Next week, we begin a new message series, our last one of the year. We'll be telling you more about that later on. But meanwhile, start thinking about who you can invite to join us. A new series is always a perfect opportunity to invite someone who doesn't have a church to church, either here in person or online. We began on Easter Sunday with the acknowledgement that while the world promotes power, possessions, pleasure, prominence as keys to success and successful living, something in us longs for more. And perhaps one way to talk about that longing, to talk about that more, is significance. Significant as in consequential. Significance comes from contributing to others. That's what we want. That's what we long for. We long for our lives to matter, to matter to our friends and family, to matter to our community. And it is not at all immodest or overstated to acknowledge that we long to contribute more to the wider world. We want this world to be a better place because we've lived in it. We want the people who know us to be better off for having known us. That's why we're moved by stories of people who have made a difference. Their stories move us because we want to be like them. At the end of the day, at the end of our lives, we hope that others can talk about the amazing contribution we've made to their well-being, their experience, their quality of life. Easter Sunday and the entire Easter season celebrates the life of one man who easily had the greatest impact for good ever in the whole history of the world. His life mattered so much that 2.2 billion believers around the world celebrate Easter this year, even though he lived 2,000 years ago in a dusty, remote region of the Roman Empire, largely in obscurity for most all of his life. The Gospels describe Jesus as living a life, dying a death, and rising from the dead as one continuous act of service for the world. And then Acts of the Apostles goes on to describe the early church, which continued his work. They did all the things that Jesus did. They preached about God's love. They shared God's love. They created a community that modeled God's love as they loved one another through their service, as they loved one another by serving one another. It's simple, and it only makes sense. We become more like Jesus when we act like Jesus. And a great place to start, a great place to begin, a great place to practice is right here in your own parish. And so, two weeks ago, we laid out five different areas you can sign up to serve this spring. Weekend hospitality, next generation ministry, creative tech, online ministry, and member care. Then, Last weekend, we invited you to sign up to serve. We had a goal of 300 new member ministers, and later here at Mass, we'll be reporting back to you on the results 
of that challenge. But meanwhile, you can still sign up to serve, even if you're not sure where you want to serve. Just text the word GO to 88877. That's GO to 88877. Today, as we wrap up our series, we're going to look at how our service is so much more than the sum of its parts and has a far greater impact than you might realize. And to help us out and go deeper, we're going to look at a passage from the Gospel of, uh, from the Acts of the Apostles, which we heard in today's first reading. As we mentioned, Acts of the Apostles described how the church continued Jesus preaching and teaching his mission and message. Reading Acts, it's easy to appreciate the momentum that this Christ movement, which didn't even have a name at this point, enjoyed in the period of the Apostles. But then, in chapter 6 of Acts, the movement hits a roadblock, a roadblock that had the potential to disrupt and divide the new community, and would have if they had not addressed the problem in such a wise and decisive manner. Here's what happened. The Hellenists complained because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So what's that all about? Well, there's a problem. In society at that time, widows were largely an impoverished class because they couldn't hold property of their own, they couldn't even inherit their husband's property, and neither could they work. So unless they had a son or brother to care for them, they were destined for poverty. From its very foundation, one of the characteristics of the new Christian community was care for the poor, beginning with the poor within the community itself, which meant, first of all, widows. The so-called Hellenists were Greeks, Greek Gentiles and Jews, who had recently become Christians and joined the community of Jewish Christians that the apostles led. These Greeks were feeling underserved because their widows weren't getting overlooked in the daily food distribution, not being treated the same as the Jewish widows. So, the 12 apostles gathered together the community of the disciples and said, it is not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. The problem beneath the problem of the Greek widows being overlooked was the reason why they were being overlooked, because it seems the apostles themselves were undertaking the distribution, which was fine when the community numbered a few dozen and could all meet together in the same place, but became increasingly untenable as the community grew to include outsiders and newcomers and even non-Jews. Rightly, the apostles recognized that their table service was overwhelming their ability to preach the gospel. So they decide they're no longer going to serve at table. They're just not going to do it. Did they think such service was beneath them? Certainly not, as proven by the fact that up until this point, they had willingly, freely undertaken it because they followed Jesus. Jesus 
who modeled humble service throughout his life, leading up to his profoundly humble service on the cross. The apostles knew their table service wasn't beneath them at all, but they were learning that if they tried to undertake all the services of the, that the community required, they would neglect the one thing, the most important thing of all, which was to preach the Word of God and celebrate the sacraments. The most important thing of all, which precisely as apostles, they alone could do. So rather than serving at table, they invite others to be a part of, of the solution. They expand their team. They say to the Greeks, select from among yourselves seven reputable men filled with the Holy Spirit. They intend to expand their team by inviting others to lead and serve. But the candidates have to meet one important qualification. They should be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, people who are driven by God and not ambition or greed or gain or any other motivation. Wise people who could serve with wisdom. And so that's what the Greeks proceed to do. They present to the apostles seven men who prayed and laid hands on them. So the group selected the new members to serve, and the apostles pray over them, and then laid hands on them as a way of passing on their authority to them. This is characteristic of the life of the church from the first. The church has and holds and hands on authority. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told the apostles, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples. Go and use that authority of mine to make disciples. He passed on his authority to the apostles, and so in turn, the apostles pass on their authority to this next generation of servant leaders. As pastor of Nativity, I have been given authority, authority over this parish by the archbishop, who laid hands on me at the time of my ordination. The archbishop's authority comes from the pope, whose authority, we believe, comes from God. God, the pope, the archbishop, me. Not a bad org chart, right? But here's my point. My job isn't to wield my authority over others, and neither is it to jealously guard it. My job is to be like those first church leaders and invite more and more people to share my authority. I'm not giving it away. I'm not giving it up. I'm not neglecting it. I'm sharing it. And that begins with our staff, first of all, and that extends, of course, to our ministry leaders. And then, finally, to all our member ministers. When you step into service as a member minister, you step into a certain authority that ultimately comes from the Lord. Now, when it comes to serving in the church, you may not think you're, I don't know what, holy enough, good enough, know enough to start serving. And that's a natural response that people experience and express when God calls them to work for him. It was the response of Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Esther and Mary and Peter and Paul and all the heroes and saints of the Bible. They didn't deem themselves qualified or worthy for service. 
And in some cases, they were right. They weren't qualified. They weren't worthy. But at some level, the Holy Spirit was at work in their lives moving them to serve. Because God doesn't necessarily call the qualified. He qualifies the called. It's another important reason why serving in church is so important. It awakens you to the more that Christ has in store for you, what Christ can do for you and with you and in you. You can share in the authority of the church and see the impact that authority has to change and transform the world. And that recognition, that recognition is exactly how we mature as Christ followers. Anyway, on a practical level, the apostles were now free to preach and teach and celebrate the sacraments, not distracted by other forms of service or the needs of the community that others were more than capable of doing. And look what happened. Look what happened. The word of God continued to spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. As a result of this shared authority, members stepping up to serve and the apostles doing what they can do, God's word continued to spread, and the church grew greatly. Even a large group of priests came to believe. Even the priests. Wow. If you're a newcomer, if this is your first time back to church in a long time or your first time ever, of course, if you're a visitor or guest, no one expects you to serve. Allow us to serve you. The challenge of this series is directed to our parishioners and our regulars who've been around for a while. And the challenge isn't made to be naggy or needy, and it's not because we need your help, which we do. It's not even because, just because serving is one of the principal ways that we grow as disciples, as we've been discussing throughout this series. It's also because your service creates a momentum, a certain momentum, a spiritual momentum that attracts still others into the life of the church. As the members of the church get up out of the pews and start serving, as they move from consuming to contributing, it helps shape an attractive environment, an irresistible environment. Why do you think the Church of the Apostles grew so quickly? Because it was so attractive. People just wanted to be a part of it. And that's really what it comes down to. The church is most appealing when our love is most apparent. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.